Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I just want to know what you guys think when it comes to the Cavaliers. And we got in the idea of how much of this really matters, the last seven games. I think it matters. And I think we've gotten to a point as fans, and this is not a Cleveland thing, this is NBA fans have too many dumb tropes that might be true sometimes but aren't true all the time. You know, it's only February. Well, but look at the look at the Cavs' record, right? Well, yeah, one game doesn't matter in the NBA, which is actually not true because, you know, there are things like tiebreakers and there are things like teams losing position, uh, you know, going from the two seed to the three seed, which could absolutely massively impact your ability to make a deep playoff run. But because uh, NBA media has just stocked up on all these team-friendly, player-friendly, quite frankly, generalizations that matter sometimes but not all the time, it's completely destroyed. Like, I don't know, the eye test or actually paying attention to your basketball team. And so it was interesting to me that people look at last night and they just want to view it from the prism of a game. And and listen, I'm going to meet you halfway. If you view it from the prism of, well, one game, I actually am okay with with losing last night's game from the fact that it was the second half of back-to-back. Chicago's okay. They've got good NBA players. They're just not a great team. And honestly, they just outlasted the Cavaliers. But it's not just, and it's insincere, and it is, it is, I would say, homeristic to say it's just been the last game. It's the last seven games. And I think you got to get to the question that I think matters most. Who are the real Cleveland Cavaliers? And I, I, I think I know, but I think it's interesting. You know, I, I, I want to double back real quick here, but 216-474-0092. Are the real Cavs the team that's played the last seven games or the team that won 18 of 20 games, uh, and and that kind of wrapped up shortly before the end of the All-Star break. Because here's why it does matter, and it, it came up when we were talking about, or talking with Adam Amin, the Bulls announcer, in the, the, the 2 o'clock hour. Because there are teams, like when the Cavs had Kyrie, LeBron, and Kevin Love. Yeah, like they could have used another you know elite scorer. They could have used, there, there were other players, like if they had had a true stretch four, 
um, instead of Kevin, who was kind of forced into that role, man, that, that team could have been even more dangerous. Um, you want to talk about a true rim protector, which like you kind of forced Timofey Mozgov into. There are ways that Cavs team could have been better, but because they had a premier wing player, a premier guard who could score and who could shoot really well in Kyrie Irving, and then they had a big that could rebound and shoot really well, a lot of it was, I mean, wake me up when uh, it gets to June. That's not what you have. Boston has that. Boston has Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So when they go and lose, uh, was it four of seven games, you go, yeah, it's Boston. We'll see him. We'll see him mid-May at the very least, right? When Giannis, or even with that that big uh, stumble at, that that Adrian Griffin gets fired, um, Doc Rivers comes in and tries to get himself fired. That whole stumble right there. They still have Giannis, so you have natural rebuttals to periods where the team isn't playing the kind of ball they should, and things like well they're not playing good defense. Um, that's that's an effort, focus, and togetherness issue. Yeah, they don't have Drew Holiday anymore. Yeah, they've lost um, or they've they've kind of changed over some of their feisty players that kind of help them play defense and, and stay sharp on defense. But in the end, you've got Dame Lillard, you've got Giannis, and you've got guys who should be able to at least give you somewhere in the top 12 in defense in the NBA. So it's not as if there's a recurring theme that falls back to the build of the team that you can't get over. With the Cavs, somewhere along the way, folks in town, and when I say folks in town, I am talking media, not the fans. Folks in town decided, eh, well, they're not going to do anything. And this absolutely plays into the Cavs' hand, by the way. They're not going to do anything. So we can't analyze them until the playoffs, which is caca. It matters. The Cavs have not done a damn thing in the playoffs. The Cavs have a head coach who, no matter the fact he was at the helm when they won 18 of 20, he also has limitations like timeout usage, end-of-game management, um, his rotations, his overall rotations across the game, uh, leveraging his players too much. These are real things. They were real things when they were winning, and they're real things that now in the last seven games, they're three and four in their last seven. And the problem is the things that have popped up in the last seven games are the exact same thing that bit you on the booty last year. And quite frankly, they bit you on the booty before uh, Darius and Evan got hurt. It was the stagnant offense. It was no ball movement. It was four shots. It was possessions at the end of the game come down to, hey, look, Darius is dribbling. Oh, look, a shot that nobody should take. And there's no movement around him. The ball doesn't move. So it's a stagnant offense. And this is a team that already, because of I maybe it's their culture. I don't know. And I don't mean that in like a bad way. It's already a team that is prone to up and down moments. So I really want to say this team, the real Cavaliers, are the team that's won 18 of 20. You know why? Because that team was elite, explosive, and the most fun team to watch in the NBA. But this is the team that's actually as constructed. Like, a part of what you were able to do with Donovan running the offense and where the ball didn't stick and where the ball moved and the extra pass happened on damn near every position, part of that was you didn't have to juggle responsibilities with Darius. And I think Evan, the three-point shooting thing, has been really fun to watch. I hope he keeps it up. 
Now, I, I haven't even paid attention to it because I'm not going to give into that constant emotional dialogue of did he shoot a three-point tonight or did he shoot three? I don't I, – kid's got enough pressure on him. I probably will think back on that about two or three weeks, by the way. But as of right now, I, I want to let it play out. I don't think this guy is falling. But as we assess who are the real Cleveland Cavaliers, this team that's struggling, that's the through line. Roster composition, how you use your your players. And this year, J.B. Bickerstaff went from having the, I don't want to say excuse, but the retort last year, I don't have enough talent. I've only got seven guys that I can play. This year, it's I have too many guys to play. You know what the through line there is? Your head coach. And I do think there's a part, there's an Ouroboro effect where right now his limitations as a coach very strong culture development, uh, X's and O's, all that other nonsense. Uh, you know, things that matter in the playoffs. Um, that is feeding into the the little roster. I don't. It's not issues, but the differences in the Cavs roster without a premier wing player that like Boston has two of, Milwaukee has one of, Miami has more than one of. Uh, Miami has one of. That's what you're seeing. I I desperately want to believe the Cavs are the 18 of 20 team. I still think that they can get it back, even if we're not going to go 900 basketball, which my uh, rudimentary Bowling Green Ivy League math tells me is 18 of 20. Even if they're not going to do that, do I think they could still uh, clinch the the second spot in the East? Do I think that a lot of teams struggle out of the all-star break and they kind of putz around? Yes, they don't have the wiggle room that those teams have. Even when you, you factor like Philadelphia. I mean, Joel Embiid might not be, might be a big, he's a point center, which means he impacts the game in three different ways. He does impact the wing significantly on the offensive side of the ball. You don't have that guy. You don't have a guy with size and skill that is going to change that for you right now. That does matter. 216-474-0092. Who are the real Cavs? These last seven games or the 18 games and 18 wins in, in 20 stretch. Desperately want it to be the team that won all those games. And I think the question is, now what do you get back? How do you get back to being that team? And I think limiting the amount of times that you have, and I, I'm, I'm a broken record here. Like, you've got a – this is a question when Darius and Donovan are both playing well, by the way. It will be an issue in certain games in the playoffs, if not certain series. If not, it might knock you out of the playoffs because you don't have the wing protection to to protect those undersized guards. But right now you've got Donovan Mitchell who looks either tired or flummoxed by trying to figure out how to share the ball with Darius. You've got Darius – who looks out of place. And here's the thing. Everybody wants to throw it on Darius. I can't blame it. I cannot blame a kid for coming off an injury. He might not be ready to play winning basketball. That might be a real thing. And that might be a conversation we have to revisit when we head back into the summer. But as of right now, this whole we're just going to blame Darius thing without talking about JB's role in it, we're going to blame Darius without talking about uh, Donovan Mitchell. We're not going to talk about the the uh, the role the bigs have in this. 
player usage, end-of-game situations, a lack of a coherent offensive structure. I, I'm I'm all for you need to figure out what the hell is going on with Darius. And if you can get him like a seven-foot, one of the Jokic brothers, not Nikola because he's under contract, but if you can get one of the other um, you know, big Jokic brothers to just walk out on a court and just pimp slap the next person that slaps him in the face, that'd be great, by the way, if you could just protect Darius Garland. But it ain't just about Darius. And the difference is I can excuse away Darius's weakness at the rim. I can excuse away maybe the reticence to, I don't know, get smacked again in the face. I can excuse away his usage as it's not helping him. So Darius, in some ways, is holding the Cavaliers back. There's a few things holding the Cavaliers back. And the Cavs are at a point where the blame game, and I'm so, I'm talking about from uh, us, the media, the blame game doesn't make it any truer. Yeah, Darius has got to be better. He's got to be more efficient. He's got to play well when he's on the court with uh, with Donovan. And the Cavs have to get that kid confidence and get him healthy. It can't just be fall guy radio or fall guy fandom just because we're afraid of having expectations or losing Donovan Mitchell. I have immense respect for Ken and Anthony, so much respect that I consistently disrespect them on this air. That's the sign. If I if I disrespect you on air, that's better than if I don't talk about you at all. But they asked for this. And at the end of yesterday's show, Danny, uh, he, he broke my ankles. He iversoned me. He crossed me over. Because we were having a conversation about um, Donovan Mitchell and Kyrie Irving. And I think I won. I don't think Danny ever answered me how Donovan's a better player. I think Danny, in the eyes of the public, might have won because he picked the more popular player. Now, respectfully, Danny's a man about town, lovely human being, good dude, good buddy. He was wrong. and But in the middle of the conversation, he sprung it on me. When we, I'd somehow it came up with Mark Price, and I was talking about my love of Mark Price and his, uh, you know, where where I think he would be in this era of football. And Danny, yeah, you know, Danny basically dookied all over Mark Price. And when I say that, what I mean is he didn't agree with me that Mark Price would be a MVP candidate in this era of basketball, which was fine because I was here to defend myself. And I will be honest with you, it was the end of the show. I did not defend myself as well as I should because I was so caught off guard. Which, by the way, in our poll on our show page yesterday, just before the show ended, we put that poll out there. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the listeners and fans that voted on that do not agree with you either. That is because okay. 71% said no. Just because consensus is consensus doesn't mean those people are on the right side of history. Because I have noticed, here's I will I, I will always take, uh, if I feel like it is the, the true side of the argument, I'm not afraid to take the losing side of an argument Simply to feel like I won that's an been, argument. That's been made apparent. I mean, I heard times. I heard Ken take a shot at me today about uh, you know, you're not gonna you're gonna win arguments, Keith, when he called in like you do on the, the morning show. And I think we've discovered that they think there's a scoreboard out there. Well I what they that's just do is when they disagree with you, just hang up on you. Well, I was gonna say to, to win or lose an argument, you do have to have an opinion first. But that's neither here nor there. I was, you know, hey, uh, hey, this could happen. Yeah, this might be an issue. Answering a question is not the same thing. And having a provocative topic is not the same thing as having an opinion. But I digress. There's news from the Combine. 
spring training, and the NBA. But how does it affect the Cleveland sports scene? Simply follow each team in the Odyssey app to get all the audio from our local shows pushed straight to your smartphone. Download the free Odyssey app today or visit 923thefan.com so you never miss a beat. Now, I say all of this to say I have no problem that they disagreed with me. I thought Lima made some, some good points in rebuttal to what makes Steph so special. I think Lima... Um, I'll be honest with you. I think Ken uh, Dukey done the conversation. I think Ken wanted to agree with me. He was afraid at, that people, the, the populace might disagree with him. And so they played a little bit of our sound and they, they, they never let the full context. Now, in fairness, it took me a while to get the fair context. So it's not all on them, but they asked for this. You are out of your God blessed mind. If you think that Mark Price wouldn't absolutely eat in this era of basketball. And listen, maybe it's a little snug to say definitively he would win an NBA MVP in this era. But when I heard the guys talk about it this morning, I heard Lima talk about Dale Ellis. Um, Mark Price has a better, or uh, the exact same, or just about the exact same three-point shooting numbers as Dale Ellis. Uh, he mentioned, um, oh gosh, who are the, Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller, I believe, has a 2% less three-point shooting percentage for his career than Mark Price does. And the difference is Mark's last uh, three years kind of dinged his career three-point percentage, whereas Reggie's actually kind of just kept it where it was, at about 38%. They mentioned Craig Hodges, who, as it, to, to my knowledge, never shot more than uh, – or never shot uh, five three-pointers per game or attempted three five three-pointers per game. But the reason why this matters is – just because it happened last doesn't mean it's greatest. And this idea that Steph Curry would be the same player, so to me, it's not. Would Steph Curry not be an NBA player 30 years ago? That's asinine. He's a shooter, and he's a he is a prolific shooter. And that prolific shooting would have him in a role in the NBA. It, it gave his dad, who was actually a bigger player, a, a significant role in the NBA. But the reality is, 30 years ago, if you were an undersized combo guard and you weren't an elite-level facilitator at point guard, you had to be an elite scorer, not just an elite shooter. And Steph is a fantastic and ridiculous three-point shooter. But if you don't think that Mark Price was every bit the shooter that Steph is simply because of stats, then I would simply ask you to go back and watch the tape. Because for his era... Mark Price was the gold standard at three-pointing. Yeah, well, Craig Hodges was in a three-point competition. Good for you. What a, what a counter-argument. Well, Dale Ellis was 6'7". Dale Ellis would would eat in this argument as well. The Reggie Miller thing. By the way, guys, um, Steph played with this generation's Reggie Miller because that's what Clay Thompson was. And if Mark Price had ever had Reggie Miller next to him, God help the NBA. I don't know you beat Michael, but in terms of the longevity of of uh, Mark Price's career, I think it looks a little different. And that also brings up yet another rebuttal that I heard today, and which was that uh, that Steph played, even though during the regular season, Steph does not get sneezed on or touched and gets every and one call you could possibly get. That, well, in the playoffs, you know uh, – Steph gets a lot more attention. I will say the average NBA game in February of 1989 has more physicality than any playoff game now. 
Yeah, is it physical? Yeah, the NBA playoffs are physical now compared to what they were or what they are in February. It's still a league where defense and the rules uh, regarding defensive abilities is absolutely, completely against defenders. But let's get to the math of this. And I don't. I will tell you, very rarely will you ever hear me go to statistical-based radio because it can get real dicey real damn quick. So I'm a little leery about becoming stat boy Nick Wilson because I don't want to bore myself and I don't want to confuse myself because there are an ass load of numbers I looked up on this. But 216-474-0092. Now that I don't have Danny breaking my ankles on the Mark Price disrespect, now that I have heard my good name tracked through the mud, my my point completely marginalized so they look good, so they can go ahead and continue to be the king of the Cleveland media cabal, I'm striking back with some stats. So with that, Right now, in the Cavs era, I went to the Mark Price, his best season, meaning like the absolute zenith of his career, where he averaged five three-point attempts per game. Well, that sounds like a lot, right? Especially in the NBA at the time, the league was averaging about 6.6 three-pointers per game. So that is a lot. That specific year, 1989, 1990, the Cavs averaged 10 three-pointers per game, and they actually led the NBA. Man, this is going to get to Steiner math really, really quickly here. However, the career high of three-point attempts for Steph Curry, who is shooting for his career 2% better than Mark Price. Mark Price shot about 40, just over 40% from three per game in his career. Steph is averaging right about 42. So in terms of he's so much better in an era where they're shooting, let me go back to this number, 42. Two, three-pointers per game. Steph is only averaging his three-point percentage is 2% better than Mark Price's. So all this nonsense of, oh, he's the best three-point shooter ever. He's the most prolific. But there are plenty of ridiculous three-point shooters across the NBA, including Mark Price, that if they attempted, and and Steph's career high per, um, per season is 10. So 10 three-point attempts per game. So it's double what Mark Price averaged at his absolute highest. You shoot 40% on that, that's an extra six points a game. So in that 20, uh, that 20, in that 1989-1990 season, here's the standard math. If you just, if he's just averaging as many three-point attempts per game as Steph Curry is now, he's he's scoring 25 points per game. That's before we get to the increase in three points or the the regular uh, field goals in general for Steph, because Steph is a combo guard. He is not a facilitator first. Okay, so Steph also attempts more by a wide margin more uh, field goal attempts than Mark Price did. So you can add another point per game or two there. The free throws, which Steph got to a, I mean, somebody farts in his general direction, and Steph Curry gets another. Uh, free throw, there's another point or two per game. So if we just talk about the adjustment for inflation in a absolutely ridiculous and honestly at points stupid league now in the NBA, if all we do is adjust for numbers, Mark Price is averaging in his best season, if we up his attempts, 26, 27, maybe 28 points per game. Steph Curry won the MVP. 
His first MVP, he averaged 24 points a game. And his second MVP, he averaged 30. So the average of that, more Steiner math, was about 27 points per game. And it's funny, like, I think it's totally fair to say, man, you know, Steph, in that era of physicality, um, and Mark Price's career was absolutely, I don't want to say destroyed, but shortened by the physicality of the NBA. A lot of 55-season games, a lot of 60-season games. If you had been able to take all that contact off his body, you can't tell me Mark Price wouldn't have played more seasons at 70 games a year, and he wouldn't have, his peak wouldn't have been um, longer than eight years. So Steph is, and listen, I want to make it real clear, because this is not Steph Curry hate. Steph Curry is amazing to watch. He is so much fun to watch. He is, in part, a product of the time he plays in, as every NBA player is. But you have to adjust that when we're comparing the best shooter of the late 80s and early 90s, the very early 90s, to the best shooter now. And what some have said is the best shooter ever. Their averages are very similar in terms of three-point shooting. Their free throws, very similar. Both elite uh, free throw shooters. But everybody adjusts for it. Well, Steph's game would adjust in 1989. And yet they don't do the same damn thing for Mark Price. Physicality, it's not a thing comparatively in 2023-2024 the way it was in 1989-1990. Completely different league. It was a fist fight every other game in 1989-1990. And you start to look at just the average attempts the Cavs led the NBA in 1989-1990 with 10.4 three-point attempts per game. Golden State is third in the NBA with 39.8. But, oh, I mean, Steph Curry's that much better than the best shooter of that era. Oh, Reggie Miller could have done. Yeah, Reggie Miller would be great in this era. He wasn't the same shooter as Mark Price. Oh, Craig Hodges, or sorry, Dale Ellis is a 0.01% better three-point shooter. Look at his attempts versus Mark Price's attempts. So I get it. Steph Curry is great. There's no debating that Steph is great. But this idea that you can take one of the best shooters in NBA history and erase it because very few people actually have a frame of reference for that player, and it, it's bullcrap. Steph is great. Mark was great. Both guys impacted by the era that they're in. But statistically, there is not much gap between the two players when you adjust it for the era they played in. And if we start to do the opposite, right? How many points can we take away? Steph averaging double the three-pointers. All of a sudden, Steph is averaging about 18 points a game from his career average. Boy, that's real close to Mark Price, isn't it? Steiner math. You asked for it. 216-474-0092. I have no idea if that converted anybody out there to the idea that Mark Price would be an MVP candidate in this year's NBA. However, I feel like at least I've made a better case and I don't feel like I was completely uh, torn apart by playing 10 seconds of sound at a time. You asked for this. I don't think I was really that mean. Carl, welcome to the show, buddy. What you... 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Scott. Hey, how's it going? Doing very well. What you got? Uh, I mean, first of all, I agree. Put some respect on Mark's name. Um... It is what it is, but he was, I mean, he was lights out. Um, but I was kind of going back to, um, you know, what are the Cavs? I, you know, are they the pre, uh, pre-All-Star game or post-All-Star game Cavs? I think they're somewhere in the middle. When it's all said and done, I think they're, again, going to be a four or five seed. Um, in the league that we're in, I just think it is incredibly, incredibly hard to win and to go far without, A, a dominant superstar and at least two extremely dominant role players next to them and we don't have either Mitchell's great he's not a superstar um and you know I I love Mobley as well but like you said earlier he's not a he's not an Embiid type that can he's not a three-tool player and in the league we're in you just unfortunately need that I think Miami was kind of the uh the outlier last year um yes you know Butler's a star but I don't think he's that guy and even when you have the Lucas of the world and guys like that, I mean, they still don't go far unless they have that supporting cast. It just takes so much. Carl, excellent stuff. Real quick, would Mark Price be an NBA MVP candidate in this era, and would Steph Curry be an NBA MVP uh, candidate in 1989? Um, I believe yes on the first. No, no uh, Maybe on the second, but probably not. Um, again, different eras, different toughness, and, you know, you sneeze at him and he gets a free throw. So we'll see how his body would have held up. It's also funny to me, and I'll let you go, that they say LeBron couldn't couldn't handle it in that era, but Steph could. Like, what are we talking about? I love it. Carl, you're the best, buddy. Appreciate you. 216-474-0092. All these W's just rolling in here. It's nice to get them W's here. Uh, do you guys think? I finally made my real case here. All right? I'm finally, the the real thing is on the record here. I encourage Lima or Ken to call in. I think Ken agreed with me. He just didn't want that smoke from Lima. I encourage them to call in and settle this 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 absolute Donnie Brook of a fight we're not having. Caitlin Clark is officially declared for the WNBA draft. Uh, she is 17 points away from passing Pistol Pete Maravich uh, for the all-time scoring record in Division I college basketball. And when I mentioned to Jake Murren, who's doing the 2020s, about Caitlin Clark entering the WNBA draft, he said, yeah, she's about to pass some old guy. I just heard that, and I yeah. wondered if I heard it right. Yeah, and and then, so that was enough where I was like, all right, we're going to have to talk about that. That is uh, 
you know, okay, not great, Bob. And then he was like, yeah, they were in the the, the side-by-side picture, and he was just some old guy in some ratty LSU uniform. And I was like, he is thought to be one of the five greatest scorers ever in basketball, let alone NBA history, just basketball history. Maybe a YouTube video or two. I mean, you know, no, listen, got a lot of love for Jake. Jake helps the show, the station. We appreciate him. Referring to Pistol Pete Maravich as some old guy from LSU. A little over the line. And the other thing that I saw in the break was that some uh, model was arrested after being caught making explicit content at uh, Bucky's gas station. Two, whoever. Oh, that's why Nick wants to go there again now. Well, it's. Uh, I will say it's the only thing they didn't have when I went there the first time. <laughs> so, so now all of a sudden, wait, wait, wait. So I get the the Texas burritos, all right, which are, I mean, fresh and as good as any burrito you're gonna get. And we're gonna get the buck nuts, and we're gonna get adult content. Yeah, I mean, all you right. get uh, you pay for the food, get the free show. Here's the problem. Gas stations, and I don't like this. Is not a gas station. Don't besmirch Bucky's. Whoever called this on this uh, was this uh, the the World Star feed. Whoever called this a gas station? Um, yeah, I, I guess uh, LeBron James just uh, just a just a basketball player. Okay, uh, that's the same thing to me. He's more. He's an icon. Um, that being said, we were just having a conversation about Mark Price and Steph Curry and Bucky's easy transition there. It's just real smooth. That's what I'm known for, the smooth transitions. Um, and, and whether or not the either guy would be a different player in a different era. Because it's less about, I don't want to disrespect Steph, but Mark Price really is just a placeholder for an era of NBA players that it's so easy to say, well, Steph is doing this. He's at, you know, he's he's got uh 10 three-pointers a game and shooting 42% of them, ergo. He's better. No, because the game is completely different. So if we start to look at the little averages, uh, Mark Price, average three-point attempts per game, uh, the NBA average, all that kind of stuff, we start to factor it in. You can quickly see Mark Price in this era. Before we get to how would he evolve his game, which is just a natural thing. Guys, I'm going to say if if Steph Curry was coming out of the draft in 1989, I'm going to say his development would look, look a little different than it did in the NBA now back when their weight rooms were uh, probably uh, less than even the Browns' current weight room situation. So you got to do the same thing for Mark Price. And just because he didn't have that opportunity to doesn't mean he wouldn't do it, and vice versa. So I just think it's really funny how snobby we've become about this god-awful era of basketball that we have to watch, and it is awful. Um, I think the league average for points per game is like 118 points per game. There's zero defense being played. Even when they try to play defense, they're not good at it. The whole game is rigged. The calls are rigged to open up offense. I mean, there was that just abysmal tackle by Dante DiVincenzo on Asar Thompson on at the end of the, the Detroit game that wasn't called. And then they called a ticky-tack foul on um, Jalen Duran at the end of that game to basically ice the game for New York. But let's just put this in in the league average – in 1989, was 2.2 three points three pointers made per game. The league average was 107 points per game. So the points scored 6.2 percent of of points scored that year came from three balls. This year, there are 12.8 three point attempts. I'm sorry, three point three pointers made per game. 
at right now 115.3 points per game. So I got the points per game this year a little off. And that is good for 33% given that the uh, average is 38.4% in the NBA this year. And it was 33.7% in 1989-1990. And there I've gone, Steiner mathing you again. Jeremy, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us? Well, I got a good transition for you because I'm actually calling from Texas where, uh, you know, Bucky's is a, is a state state treasure down here. And we see more of that kind of stuff than, I, than probably gets reported. So All right. Let, let us know your know OnlyFans handle at the end of this call, Jeremy. Uh, I will not do that for your your benefit. But uh, um, I'm you know, from Cleveland, born and raised in Cleveland. I will say this about Mark Price. I think that when you're transitioning the eras of basketball, I think my opinion would be I think Price would fare better in this era than Curry would fare better um, in his era, although I do appreciate what you said about they would have come up different. So I think that that does make sense. I just remember back to being a you know a teen and that era of basketball, Mark Price, and remember just how scrappy he was uh, when he did decide to take it to the rim, and uh, how much of a more uh, seemed like anyway like a natural natural shooter in my opinion. And so I just I think if if, if Price was in this era, I think he would fare better in this era versus uh, Curry Faring in, in the in the Mark Price era or during that era of, of basketball, in my opinion. Jeremy, I appreciate the call, buddy. Enjoy Bucky's. I'm so damn jealous. I do love me some Bucky's. But um, I think I think the way I've also thought about this for a really long time, and you can absolutely do this for somebody like Michael Jordan. You can do this for other guys of that ilk. Like a guy like Scottie Pippen, I think would be a clear and a way obvious one on a championship team in this era. Because he's not LeBron, but if you look at it, um, he was a point forward. He could score. He, he was an elite defender. You put him in an era where he just has to worry more about scoring than anything, and he fits that that LeBron size. I I think we ha- I think it's a travesty we never got to see Scotty in this era, and that Scotty doesn't give credit for what a damn good player that he is. Hopefully, Scotty knows he's a very good player, but I just think it's Mark played in an era where the rules were all about big men. They were all about point guards facilitating, and that's that's the style of play. And Steph plays in an era where it's very wing-friendly and, more importantly, shooter-friendly. And he played in the perfect situation for an undersized combo guard with Clay right next to him and then Draymond Green taking some of the distributor load off his chest, being able to be a point forward. So Steph played in the absolute perfect era for his style of play and the absolute perfect situation with talent around him. I'm not complaining about Mark Price, but he didn't have the luxuries and the style of play advantage that Steph does because he was playing in a big league where the second you would you would get downhill and try to go at the, the, the bucket, you'd get the crap kicked out of you. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.